Greetings, everyone, and I hope you're having a wonderful Feast of Tabernacles. As we gather together at festival sites all over the world, we are learning to fear God, to worship our soon-coming King, Jesus Christ, and preparing for our role in the kingdom to rule on this earth. With that in mind, it's good to get to know our spiritual family. While we're separated by vast distances, we are united by one spirit. Not long ago, I made a round-the-world trip to visit our congregations, which was really very encouraging. The trip began with stops in the Philippines, New Zealand, and Australia. It was really inspiring to meet and spend time with brethren and ministers who are dedicated to God and doing His work. I've often thought how great it would be if all of us could actually meet our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. It is our hope here at headquarters that this feast film will give you another taste of who your brothers and sisters are across the ocean. Following on the heels of last year's film on Africa, this year we will be concentrating on Australasia, and that includes Australia, New Zealand, South Asia, and the South Pacific. It's a huge area with a massive population, and our scattered brethren there are learning, growing, and working hard to finish the work, just like the rest of us in God's church. Although many of you may never get a chance to meet face-to-face, we would like to introduce you to some of our brothers and sisters through this film, and we hope you enjoy it. To guide us on our tour of the work of the Living Church of God in Australasia, let me introduce you to a man I've worked with for a number of years who faithfully serves God's people in the Asia-Pacific region, Mr. Robert Tyler. While he was unable to travel to headquarters this year to film, he was able to record at our Living Church of God office in Adelaide. So without further ado, here is Regional Director, Mr. Robert Tyler. Greetings and a warm Aussie good day to all God's people assembled around the world keeping the Feast of Tabernacles 2023. What an awesome privilege it is to keep God's festivals. The Feast of Tabernacles pictures the soon coming time when the whole world will experience the millennial rest from 6,000 years of sin, greed, poverty, and war. When our Lord, the King of Kings, will unite all people and all nations under one government, a government that bears his eternal name, the Kingdom of God. But until that time comes, the work must continue. Jesus commissioned his disciples to make disciples of all nations, as we read in Matthew 28 and verse 19. In this year's Behind the Work film, we will take you to some of those nations and introduce you to many of your brethren doing God's work in Southeast Asia, the Philippines and the Pacific, an enormous region of the world, divided by land and sea, but united by spirit. My name is Robert Tyler, and I serve as the regional director for God's work in the Asia Pacific region. And when I say divided by land and sea, I'm not joking. The Asia Pacific region is big. How big? To put it into perspective, it covers 42 countries and approximately one half of the world's population and a quarter of the world's landmass. That's over 4 billion people. No other part of the world is diverse as the Asia-Pacific. Multiple hundreds of languages and dialects are spoken, and there are dozens of competing religions. The area is culturally unique, 
politically divided, ethnically diverse, and for the vast majority of people, religiously deceived. As the regional director, I have the privilege and challenge of visiting some of these remote and diverse nations. The region extends from the South Pole to North Korea. And yes, I'm King John Un's pastor, should he ask for a go-to. The region extends into the tropical Pacific Island nations of Tonga, into Fiji, Samoa, and Tahiti, to the lush jungles of Thailand and Burma, Vietnam and Cambodia, to the dusty roads of Central Australia, and then over to the snow-capped mountains of New Zealand, known as the Southern Alps. The beauty and uniqueness of this part of the world cannot adequately be expressed in words. The diversity of religion is extensive, from Hindus to Catholics, Buddhists to Shintoists to Muslims and to Atheist China. It's truly a jungle out there. Mainstream Christian churches were once strong and respected in Australia and New Zealand. But as with many Western nations, these two nations have now entered what we might call a post-Christian era. In 1921, 96.9% of Australians identified as Christian. Now, in 2023, that figure is down to only 43% of the population. As a result, Australia and New Zealand television stations have rejected more Tomorrow's World programs than anywhere on the planet. To even mention subjects on traditional family, sin, transgender and homosexuality, abortion, even life after death violates the sensitivities of the woke social justice warriors now ruling our countries. But that's not just a challenge to preach the gospel in the Israelite nations. Proselytizing Christianity to the Muslims in Malaysia is against the law, and many mainstream Christian pastors have gone missing, often never to be seen again. So we must be very careful and all our literature and ads must stipulate that our material is for non-Muslims only. So finding ways to reach the Hindi population is also challenging. Hindus believe in one supreme being who manifests into a trinity of three main gods, Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, but then they go on to manifest into another 33 main gods who then manifest into millions of gods. So to them, accepting Christ as the Son of God is relatively easy, as he just fits right in with all the others. But then there are the darker places in religion, far more dangerous and filled with demonic spirits. Places like Papua New Guinea, where you can still find people in the hill tribes practicing sorcery and spirit worship. Witch hunts continue to this day, where women are captured, accused of being witches, and are subsequently tortured, some set on fire while others are molested and killed. Brethren, I've only scratched the surface. I've not even talked about the poverty and the exploitation of innocent women and children or the corrupt governments who rule only to serve themselves. But I hope that from what I've described, you can begin to see just how much we need Christ to return. Though very small in number, the tremendously spread out, these are your brethren. God is still calling people from all nations and tribes and tongues out of this deceived and dying world. He is preparing a people for their future roles as kings and priests in the coming kingdom of God. No doubt the description of Christ's rule in Isaiah 11 
will be a breath of fresh air for the people around the world and in this region. And here is what Isaiah was inspired to write. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, decide with equity for the meek, and the breath of his lips shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, faithfulness the belt of his waist, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. What a contrast. Just imagine a world where everyone is treated equally, where true justice exists for the poor and where a spirit of love permeates into every nation on earth. Isn't that why we're here celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles? Brethren, now that you have that background, let's take a look behind the work in the Asia-Pacific region. The Australasian Regional Office is located in Australia, just outside the city of Adelaide, in the quaint country town of Clarendon. Here we oversee the work in the region, and it's where I live, at least for part of the year. The office consists of two buildings that are about 160 years old. Both properties are owned by the church and are locally heritage listed, having historical significance being the old blacksmith's home and also the local post and telecommunications office back in the 19th century. We have six full-time and part-time employees and a local congregation pastored by Mr. Montgomery and myself. We have five other main congregations in Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne and Perth who were served by 12 faithful ministers and their wives. Our combined membership is approximately 380 nationwide, and we are certainly grateful for the recent growth God has been giving us. Part of that growth is through the TWPs we've been holding around the country in recent years. And of course, during Dr. Wanell's recent visit to Australia, he gave tomorrow's world presentations in Brisbane and Melbourne where he gave a powerful and sobering presentation about the gathering storm that is currently forming in our society around us. The presentations were well received with a combined attendance of about 82 guests. The regional office in Clarendon, however, serves members and congregations, not just in Australia, but in 14 different countries around the region. Those countries include New Zealand and the Philippines, Japan, New Caledonia, Marquesas Island, New Guinea, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, Burma, India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Although English is widely spoken, we have very good translators in the church. We work directly with areas with 17 different spoken languages. So until God gives us the gift of tongues, I must rely on our translators and Google Translate to help reach many of those who do not speak English. Our total membership in the region is approximately 1,500, with our largest congregations in the Philippines, in Vanuatu, Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Serving these areas, we are blessed with 27 ministers and their wives. And perhaps that may sound like a lot, but our ministers are scattered throughout the region. 
all serving large areas of their own. For example, Mr. Rajan Moses lives in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and is the area pastor serving Malaysia and India, Indonesia and Sri Lanka, Thailand and Burma. Mr. Paul Kearns looks after all of New Zealand and Vanuatu. Mr. Graham Hempel is the area pastor for Papua New Guinea and New Caledonia, and he travels great distance to visit our lone member on an island near Tahiti. Mr. Joseph Gonzalez is the area pastor for the Philippines, serving over 500 members in areas often difficult to access. All these men play a vital role in teaching and serving God's people in the Asia-Pacific region. And frankly, I'd be lost without them. How thankful I am for their faithful, loyal, dedication to God's work and to his people. So you can imagine how very busy these men are, sometimes traveling for days and weeks at a time to reach our most isolated brothers and sisters. What a privilege and a pleasure it is to serve. The first place I'd like to take us to visit is the country of Thailand, because there are some exciting things happening there. For those of you who have visited Thailand, you will have noticed its landscape and its culture is uniquely different to anywhere else in the world. Formerly known as Siam, Thailand is the only Southeast Asian country to have never been taken over by a European power. It is ruled by a monarch, but governed by a prime minister appointed by the king to represent the people. As a nation, Thailand has great wealth thanks to exports and tourism, and it boasts the second largest economy in Southeast Asia. But like many Asian nations, it also suffers from corruption, from crime, drugs, poverty, and joblessness. Outside of the major cities, many Thai people exist as subsistence farmers while others work for minimum wage, if they can even find a job that pays enough to support their basic needs. As Sabbath keepers, it's often difficult for our members to find work as most employers in Thailand are Buddhist and care very little for Christian beliefs. However, despite the challenges, God has blessed our members over the years in miraculous ways. And many are now working in full-time jobs and learning English to further advance their career opportunities. As we have seen firsthand, Christ rewards those who walk by faith. Amongst that setting, God's work in Thailand started back in the 1950s with the World Tomorrow radio broadcast by Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong. Over the years, Mr. Armstrong's relationship with the King of Thailand led to a number of humanitarian projects. A small group of Karen refugees living along the Thai-Burmese border became baptized members of the Church of God in the late 1970s and early 1980s. In the apostasy of the 1990s, most of the church fell away from the truth. However, there were a few who remained faithful to the truth. Recently, my wife and I visited our congregation in Maesot, Thailand, and it's quite a journey. From Adelaide, South Australia, we flew to Perth, Western Australia, then on to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and from there to Bangkok, and then up to Chiang Mai. Our elder, Mr. Tuwa Le Bay, met us at the airport. From there, it was a four-hour drive down to Maesot. So without stating the obvious, we were exhausted, but excited to meet with the brethren. We currently have 25 members in Thailand, served by Mr. and Mrs. Le Bay most of whom live within close proximity of each other. 
Mr. LeBay's story is quite interesting, and so I want to share it with you. In November of 2013, my father, Bruce Tyler, was visiting London, England, when he first met Tuwa. Tuwa is the grandson of Sole Bay, the first Church of God minister ordained in Myanmar in 1976. Mr. LeBay's story is worth mentioning because he was actually born in the jungles of Burma while his father was fighting in the Karen resistance against the Burmese government. Sadly, his father was killed when Tua was very young, and then soon after, his mother also died. At the age of eight, he fled with his uncle to Thailand and grew up in a refugee village near Maesot. Unfortunately, being born in the jungle meant he had no official birth record. So at this point, he was a citizen of no country. Then, at the age of 20, his family was approved for refugee status and moved to the UK, which eventually allowed him to apply for UK citizenship. As you can imagine, coming back to Thailand was a huge decision and one of great personal sacrifice. But one thing we learn in the church is that through many trials and tribulations do we enter the kingdom of God. Even though Tuwa lived and was educated in Thailand, it was not easy for him to immigrate back to Thailand because he's now a UK citizen. Our challenge then, how do we get Mr. Le Bay back into Thailand? It was not possible to register solely as a church, but we could register as a non-profit foundation that includes the pursuit of humanitarian work and bears the church's name. And so it was through the foundation we could finally bring Mr. and Mrs. Lebabe back to Thailand to take care of our small flock. So in May 2016, we set out to register the Living Church of God Foundation, finally approved by the Thai government two years later in May 2018. We now have a dedicated office in Maesot with three staff members taking care of both church and foundation responsibilities. The focus of our humanitarian work has been on education, but we also provide much needed physical assistance to poor and impoverished people in the local communities. The foundation was able to assist with disaster relief during COVID. And in addition, we have provided much needed food and clothing to schools and families in disadvantaged villages and communities. The foundation coordinates its humanitarian work with the Department of Social Development, which is a government agency who oversees various social issues facing both Thai citizens and refugees from neighboring countries. During my visit, we were able to call in to their main office in Tuck, and we discussed the work of the foundation and explained how it is part of the church's international group of affiliated organizations providing aid all over the world and offering disaster relief to people and communities in times of natural disasters. They in turn discussed and explained their role in the Thai communities. And it was sobering to hear about the poverty, the domestic abuse, and the disturbing increase in the slave trade. Just another reminder why Christ must return and bring true peace and safety to this world. In 2022, the Ministry for Social Development identified the Living Church of God Foundation to be an outstanding role model to other foundations in the area. We were chosen out of over 60 other foundations and highlighted as a case study 
where we had successfully changed the lives of members of the community. The foundation also supports a local primary school to improve the quality of their English teaching program. This program started in 2019, but was paused due to COVID. So one of the main reasons for my recent trip was to meet with the school administrators. I also invited Mr. Jonathan McNair, the Director of Living Education Department in Charlotte, to join me in Thailand. We met local government officials and with the school's principal to see how the program could recommence and to identify areas where the foundation could help their school's English program improve. This year, the Living Church of God in the United States and the Thai Foundation has worked to sponsor four students as a pilot program. Two Living Ed students will be teaching at the school for two months and another two for four months in the summer of 2023. Our aim is to continue this exciting program and to establish the foundation's credibility and future growth. Finally, we're developing two plots of land for farming and agricultural projects. The members are learning to grow their own produce and after reaping the harvest and tithing, the extra produce is either given to locals or sold for extra funds to be put back into the project. It has been a profitable endeavor as we teach our members both spiritual and physical agricultural principles, many of which we'll be teaching and implementing in the kingdom of God. Eventually, we would like to purchase our own land so we can further develop the program for the benefit of our members and the local community. But as important as the foundation work is, it is however only a means to an end. Obviously, our main focus is to preach the gospel the good news of God's coming kingdom to the Thai people. The work in Thailand is, of course, challenging due to the language barriers and also because the country is 97% Buddhist. As such, a massive effort has gone into translations. Currently, we have 37 LCG booklets translated into their first draft. Our plan is to start advertising these books on Facebook and as our subscribers grow, to then begin holding tomorrow's world presentations around the country. It's a work in progress, but things are certainly moving forward and the work is getting done. What an incredible time to be a part of God's work in Thailand. Now, I know some of you are also wondering about our members in Burma. Of course, they have been significantly affected by the civil war that has been raging since 2021. And in some cases, our members have had to flee their homes into the jungle to avoid capture or being used as human shields. Thankfully, the situation has settled down and our members are safe. We were able to send funds into Burma to help with basic needs such as rice and oil and gas, but it hasn't been easy for them, to say the least. Yet, God has blessed our members and with the guidance and direction of Mr. Moses and Mr. Bay. We can keep close contact with the brethren through the internet and they continue to be fed spiritually thanks to the Sabbath live stream from Thailand. We still can't enter the country, but as soon as it's safe to do so, we plan to go back to Burma and visit our 60 plus members there. They are all dearly missed and many of us pray for them daily. Let's now go to the Philippines, another country in Southeast Asia located in the Pacific Ocean. It's an archipelago comprised of more than 7,000 islands. The Philippines takes its name from King Philip of Spain, 
and was under Spanish rule for approximately 350 years, beginning in 1565. Religiously, the Philippines is almost 80% Catholic, with Islam being identified as the second largest religious segment, having 6.5% of the population. Their religions are also mixed with many local traditions and pagan practices. For example, this year, eight men were chosen to reenact Christ's crucifixion. They wore thorny crowns and carried wooden crosses on their backs for over one kilometer or 0.6 of a mile. They then had 10 centimeter nails hammered into the palms of their hands and feet and were raised on a cross for about 10 minutes. As it says in theguardian.com, the gruesome spectacle reflects the Philippines' unique brand of Catholicism, which merges church traditions with folk superstitions. Many of the mostly impoverished penitents undergo the ritual to atone for sin, pray for the sick, or for a better life, and give thanks for miracles. Another unusual celebration is John the Baptist's Day, where Catholics will stand on the street and throw buckets of water on unsuspecting pedestrians. The work of God in the Philippines began as early as 1948 via the Plain Truth magazine. In 1957, a man by the name of Pedro Otegero contacted the church and in 1958 became the first member to join the Radio Church of God. In 1961, Mr. Albert Portune and Mr. Gerald Waterhouse visited the Philippines and the southern island of Mindanao to hold public lectures. They were met by many who had been listening to Radio DXAW at 9 p.m. every Sunday evening. Our pastor in Davao, Mr. Philippe Cassing, and his sister, Mrs. Saloma Pabo, now 85 years old, were among those who attended that very first meeting and have remained faithful for 62 years. Mrs. Pabo met her husband that very meeting. They fell in love and were married soon after. Mrs. Pabo's example of dedication and faith continues to inspire today. Even at 85, she attends Sabbath services regularly, but the trip is difficult. She explained to me that she has no transportation, and so to get to Sabbath services, she must walk over an hour and a half each way, and in the heat of the day, that's no easy trip. Christ said we must endure to the end, and certainly Mrs. Pabo is certainly setting a wonderful example for us all. The Living Church of God's regional office is in Quezon City, in the northern island of Luzon. Currently, we have two full-time employees working in the office, Mr. Daniel Osilios and Mr. Alvin Oteda. Together, they manage the finances and the day-to-day office tasks, including the 5,000 Tomorrow's World magazines, which are printed and mailed in the Philippines each issue. Overseeing the Philippines is our area pastor, Mr. Joseph Gonzalez and his wife, Janice. And assisting Mr. Gonzalez around the country are another seven ministers and their wives who serve approximately 500 members nationwide. The members are primarily dispersed in three main island groups and a few others scattered on islands around the archipelago. The three main islands are Luzon, the Visayas and Mindanao. In my recent trip, I had the opportunity to visit several of our brethren in Mindanao And for those who don't know the Philippines, Mindanao is one of those places where the international travel advice is this. Reconsider your need to travel. 
or avoid travel altogether due to the risk of serious threat of terrorist attacks, kidnapping, high levels of criminality, and violent clashes between military police and terrorists or rebel groups. Travel advisories for the Philippines, needless to say, is something that I pray more fervently about when I travel to these places. But I know that my visits are greatly appreciated by our members. Recently, I had the opportunity to keep the Sabbath in a city called Iligan City in Western Mindanao. The members there were so happy because they rarely get a visit from a minister from Australia or the United States. We had 50 plus members who came together for the Sabbath and it felt like a mini Feast of Tabernacles. Certainly, it was a highlight and I'll not forget my visit and the love the brethren showed us. However, to put it into perspective, even the locals don't like walking at night. When you go into a shopping center, you must go through security and they pat you down looking for concealed weapons. They use mirrors to see under your car for fear of bombs. There are checkpoints along the road with heavily armed military. Just 60 minutes up the road from Iligan City, there is a town where in 2017, ISIS terrorists took control of the city with the goal to create a single Islamic state. Although it's peaceful now, you can still feel the tension in the air. When I go into dangerous places like these, I remember the faith and courage of the Apostle Paul when he faced dangers. As it says in Acts 14, then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went back into the city. Thankfully, I've not experienced this level of persecution, but I'm constantly aware of the dangers that we face and take precautions. But I do remind myself that God is my strength and my shield. But brethren, the work of God must continue. In the Philippines, we currently air the Tomorrow's World program nationwide each Monday night. We're also advertising on Facebook with exceptional success. It's exciting for us and even more exciting for the local brethren in the Philippines as they see the work of God being preached to their people. The church also holds youth camps and leadership training workshops each year. And we are seeing more and more people contact the church who are once subscribers to the magazine or affiliated with the Worldwide Church of God. Many people in the Philippines see the living church of God genuinely fulfilling Christ's commission to preach the gospel to the world. Let's now go to the land of the long white cloud, otherwise known as New Zealand. If there is one place in the Southern Hemisphere you must visit, it would have to be New Zealand. Sure, they don't have kangaroos and koalas or deadly snakes and spiders, but they do have some of the most breathtaking scenery you will find anywhere on this planet. From the tropical Bay of Islands in the north to the geothermal springs of Rotorua, to the gorgeous alpine lakes, to the ice glaciers and fjords of the south. If there is one place God doesn't need to fix when it comes to natural beauty, New Zealand might just be that place. The nation of New Zealand consists of two main islands and 700 smaller islands. It is located about 2,000 kilometers or 1,200 miles east of Australia. Now I'd like to talk about cricket for a moment. 
but perhaps for the sake of world peace, I might just leave that for now. I guess if you need to identify one significant problem with New Zealand, it would have to be that it's situated smack dab on the ring of fire. So if you enjoy earthquakes and volcanic activity, you've found your dream island. But leaving the beauty aside, what is terribly sad to witness is this great nation steadily sliding towards Sodom. It has consciously set out to become the most progressive and most woke of all Pacific nations, accepting and promoting every abomination imaginable. It is sad that this land, which God gave our Israelite forefathers, is turning its back on him and on the fabric of decent moral society it once embraced. New Zealand's recent polls show that now only 37% of the population identify as Christian, with 48.5% having no faith at all. And that's shocking when you consider only a hundred years ago, over 90% of the population considered themselves Christian. Knowing that, is there any wonder why God's work in New Zealand, along with Australia, regularly receives complaints from TV viewers saying that they are offended by our truthful, upright, and righteous content. Incidentally, the Tomorrow's World program is aired on national TV every Sunday morning. As a result, we are required to make edits to some of our programs or completely replace them altogether. But what is our goal? We want to get the magazine and the booklets into their hands. We don't have to say everything on the telecast because the telecast is an introduction to the print material. In the magazine and the booklets, we can be far more blunt. And for as long as we can, we are going to strive to get those publications into people's hands. Truly, if we are being targeted, then that means we're on the right track and we're doing our job. Isaiah said, cry aloud and spare not and tell my people their sins. Thankfully for now, we are still getting the Ezekiel message out one way or another. But we're also doing exciting work on Facebook with hundreds of responses weekly from New Zealand and around the Pacific Islands. For example, we've been advertising in Fiji and now have almost 770 subscribers receiving the magazine. We're also reaching other islands like Tonga and Samoa, Vanuatu and New Caledonia. Mr. Paul Kern serves our brethren in New Zealand and is the area pastor for Vanuatu. Vanuatu is, by the way, another island almost 3,000 kilometers northwest of New Zealand. And the local pastor there is Mr. Jerry Sam, who serves approximately 140 scattered members around the islands. New Zealand has 160 members and nine congregations around the country, with Auckland being the largest, having 60 plus in regular Sabbath attendance. Our congregations are quite culturally diverse, which makes New Zealand unique. What's interesting is that most of the major island nations, including Samoa, Tonga, Cook Islands, Niue, Tuvalu, Fiji, they're all represented in the New Zealand church. In many ways, even though we don't have members and congregations in all these islands, God has been calling individuals from each of those nations to represent him as kings and priests in his coming government. Recently, we were blessed to move into a small three-bedroom residential premises, which we've converted into the church office. 
Until now, we've been running the church office out of members' homes. But as God has been blessing his work, this was no longer a viable option for us. You see some of the photos, and I'm sure you'll agree, God has really blessed us in New Zealand. The office will also serve as a place for church activities and leadership training workshops in the coming years. While Dr. Winnale was visiting New Zealand during his trip in April this year, he spent quality time fellowshipping with the members and held a Tomorrow's World presentation in Auckland. We were able to stay at the new office and enjoy the relaxing atmosphere, which incidentally overlooks an 18-hole golf course. Sadly, there was no time to play. New Zealand is truly a wonderful part of the region, and I hope one day you will have the opportunity to visit your brethren in New Zealand. As this overview of Southeast Asia comes to a conclusion, I would like to finish by updating you on some of the latest developments in India. In May this year, Mr. Rajan Moses and I had the privilege of visiting India, which is now the most populous nation on the planet just surpassing China with 1.4 billion inhabitants. India also boasts one of the fastest growing economies in the world. How India will play their part in the final years before Christ returns, we will have to watch, but it is likely that they will partially comprise the 200 million man army that is prophesied to approach Europe and Jerusalem from the east of the Euphrates. Certainly we must be watching this nation as it deepens relations with China and Russia and becomes more influential on the world scene. However, it was a real treat to meet our visitors and visit the members in Goa and other cities. We also visited three go-tos who were excited to learn the truth and counsel for baptism. Mr. Moses and I also visited another three groups four hours east of Hyderabad who total around 80, including women and children. These people are still babes in the faith, but they have a desire to be taught, and we are truly excited to share in their calling into the body of Christ. Preaching the gospel has always been challenging in India, especially in such a heavily influenced Hindu society. But recently the church developed a dedicated Hindi website where we have a small number of articles and booklets translated into the Hindi language. We're also working on the whiteboards with Hindi translations and voiceovers. All this is a work in progress, but with a population of 1.4 billion, surely the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It is my great hope that you can now more clearly picture and appreciate the vastness of God's work in the Asia-Pacific nations. We are small, but God is not. And through him, all things are possible. In this video, we've only scratched the surface and I wish I had the time to share with you many other countries equally diverse and important to God and to his work. So if you have the opportunity to visit us, wherever you go, whatever nation you visit, and whoever you meet, you will be welcomed by the warmth and love of God's people, a people who are truly divided by land and sea, but united by spirit. So on behalf of all your brethren in the Pacific region, we say g'day and hope you all have a safe, inspiring and wonderful Feast of Tabernacles.
Thank you, Mr. Tyler, for that inspiring and helpful look into what God is doing in the Asia-Pacific region. As Dr. Winnale stated at the beginning, I wish you could all meet our brethren over there personally. I heartily agree. Having had the opportunity of visiting a half dozen of those countries and meeting with many of our dear brethren in that immensely populous region. We are a small flock, but we truly are one body, one family. We may not all meet in this lifetime, during this age, but if we remain faithful to the truth, as set forth by God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ in His Word, we have a glorious future in which to work together forever. But we don't have to wait for eternity to get to know one another. We have a fantastic opportunity to do that right now at this feast. Make the most of your time while you're here. Meet brethren you don't know. Grow closer to those you do know and serve one another as shining lights in a darkened world. I hope all of you have a wonderful rest of the Feast of Tabernacles and last great day. And wherever we may be around the world, we are learning to fear the Lord our God always as we worship together. Learn about our future roles as kings and priests and build strong bonds of brotherhood. Soon we'll be able to get to know all our brethren face to face when Christ sets up his eternal kingdom. The end of this stage of God's plan is getting closer, and we are privileged to have a small part in doing the work of God before Christ's soon coming return. May God speed that day. Thank you.